kind of an adaptation of a video that's been around YouTube for a long time. I'm still trying to figure out if that guy legitimately thinks he's a good singer. Or maybe, it's, maybe it's like a mock of something. I'm not sure. But whatever it is, there's a, there's a severe disconnect between A, his understanding of who he is and what he's capable of, and B, who he really is. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming he's probably not a bad dude, probably a great guy, uh, probably wasn't created to be a soloist. Uh, but, but he's never learned or he's never been taught that that individual was uniquely wired by God, but that's not the way he was wired, right? And, and, and I hope that that individual at some point discovered, not the goat, I'm not worried about the goat, but the gentleman in the video, I, I hope that at some point he discovered that there's a different level of joy, there's a different level of fulfillment that comes with knowing that you've been created a certain way, piece by piece discovering what that way is, and then ultimately living into that wiring. For one, it saves you from experiencing a, a different level of frustration and a lack of impact that comes from chasing the wrong path. But, but number two, when we understand who we are, how God has gifted us as individuals and how we fit together within the body of Christ, the church, our church, is put in a much healthier position for the long term. Now, music is always an easy one to pick on, right? You go back to the early days of American Idol when they'd give people auditions who had no business getting auditions, and they all thought they were awesome, right? So, so but music is an early one to pick on, but, but maybe another example uh, is me and hospitality. Um, I, over the course of 20 years or so, I have uh, led a ton of small groups. I don't even know how many from the the student level up to the adult level and things like that. I'm pretty good at digesting content and making sure there's good discussion questions. Pretty good at creating good group dynamics and helping make sure everybody kind of feels comfortable with the situation, uh, hopefully engaged in the conversation. Pretty good. And, and, you know, you work with students long enough, you get pretty good at making sure the talkative ones chill out a little bit and the quiet ones have a chance to speak up a little bit. But over those 20 years, for all the different groups that I've led, guess how many I've hosted in my home? Zero, right? I am not a good host. I, part of it is Kathy and I, we've lived in places that don't have a ton of extra space, don't put a bunch of extra care into our lawn or our front porch. It's just kind of whatever. Uh, cleaning up for company means shoving crap under the couch, right? So it's not like we're doing all kinds of extra stuff. The fridge has a pretty limited selection. And honestly, the biggest factor is probably just I value my privacy, right? I value my home space, having control over the who, what, when, where, and why of what's happening in my house. And so uh, now if it was all on Kathy, it'd be great. But unfortunately, I am part of the equation when it comes to hosting things at home. So I'm good at leading groups. I'm not good at hosting groups. And being aware of that wiring has really benefited me over the years and it's benefited the groups that we've been a part of over the years because it doesn't turn into this ridiculous place to have a small group. And what I've realized in thinking through this a little bit and why we're doing this series called Wired is that for some of you, what I'm describing makes perfect sense when we're talking about gifts or the difference between the church and our church and, and the body, the body of Christ, being wired a certain way by God. Some of that, for some of you, all of those phrases make perfect sense. But for others of you, maybe those are newer phrases. Maybe those are newer concepts. And, and whether you're on the familiar side or the unfamiliar side, it's possible and probably even likely that it's really not something you've put a ton of thought into. And, and a lot of that is partly because we haven't really talked about it much. This, this type of a series is a long time coming because we talk about serving, we talk about doing different things within a church and in the community and things like that, but we've never really taken some time to really dig through and make you aware of this idea of spiritual gifts and things that God gifts us with. And so we're going to do that over the next three weeks. And, and, and what you need to know is that when it comes 
to serving within the body of Christ, not just here at Fieldstone, but the body of Christ around the world, whether that's investing your time, talent, or resources, whether that's finding your place within the, bo- within the life of a church, it's way more than just checking boxes. It's more than just volunteer hours that you're accruing for a sports team or your, or your club at school. It's more than filling an empty chair in a room. It's more than filling an empty slot in a ministry director's Google Doc, right? It's here in the body of Christ, here among believers, those who would call themselves Christ followers, there's something far more going on than checking boxes. There's far more going on than just filling a seat. And we're all called to be a part of it, but we're not all called to be a part of it in the same way. And so today and over the next couple weeks after this, we're, we're going to dig through uh, some of the different angles of 1 Corinthians 12, which is where we'll start today. But, but first, kind of an overview of, of 1 Corinthians so that we have some context for where we're jumping in. Because this book, this letter written by Paul to the church in Corinth, uh, he's, he's sharing with them what things should look like within the body of Christ, within the local church. He talks a little bit about how the leadership should be organized talks about communion. What should communion look like? What should worship look like? What, what about baptism? What's that all about? He talks about how the gospel isn't just about famous people or famous preachers or even famous apostles. It's about Jesus. Over the course of this letter, he talks about God's standard for sex, God's standard for relationship, God's standard for caring for yourself, mind, body, and soul. He talks about how to handle individuals who live or teach in rebellion of God's standard for humanity. Talks about how to handle legal disputes within the church. And so 1 Corinthians is a very excellent full letter that's written that sheds light on a lot of different things. And he says, this is what God has laid out. This is how we're supposed to live and love and interact within the body of Christ. This is how we keep this body healthy. This is how we live in the world, but not of the world. And some of it, it can get a little bit goofy and you got to do some some reading and some study because some of it is Paul saying, hey, this These are some best practices based on the culture we're in and the time that we're in and the context we're in. Some of this is gray, but then some of it is black and white. This is how it's supposed to be. Now, included in all of this, right smack dab in the middle in 1 Corinthians 12, he talks about spiritual gifts. Kind of a new thing for them, but there's hints of it in the Old Testament where the Holy Spirit shows up. That's where this short series is going to come from here in 1 Corinthians 12. And basically, what we know is that when we believe, when we surrender our hearts and lives to Jesus, we're all rewired. Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, If anyone is in Christ, if anyone has given their heart, believed on him, believed that he is God come in the flesh, who died on the cross for our sins and rose from the grave to give us eternal life, and if we place our trust in him, we have uh, forgiveness and eternal life. If anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. The new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. We are rewired, rewired, because when we believe, when we place our faith in Jesus, we receive his Holy Spirit. Romans 8, 9 says, You, however, you're not in the realm of the flesh, you're in the realm of the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. So belonging to Christ coincides with having his Spirit inside of us. And then in Ephesians 1, Paul says, When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. 
And so we are a new creation. We have his spirit inside of us. We are wired differently than we were wired before. And now we have a different source of wisdom, a different source of truth, a different source of leadership, a different source of authority in our lives. And as a part of all that transformation, we're given different roles within the body of Christ. Now, over the next couple weeks, we're going to get into some of the specifics of individual wiring and individual gifting and how that can play out in our lives. But today's a little bit more of an overview into this idea of we're all the same, but we're all different. We're one body, but we're many parts, kind of the corporate side of this spiritual gifting. So let's, let's hit 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And by the way, it is definitely very warm in here. It's not just you. Uh, AC was cranking this morning, and then it cut out on us, so we'll, we'll figure that out after you're all gone, um, which is unfortunate. But uh, thanks, for, thanks for hanging in there with us. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 12. We're going to jump to the middle of that chapter. Paul says, Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, whether slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. So I uh, want to hit a couple things. First one is just a quick mention. He says, we are all baptized. And there's, there's different points in the New Testament, especially in Paul's letters, where he's strangely flippant about the fact that we're all baptized. Why? Why, why would he just kind of throw that? Well, we're all baptized. Well, it's because it coincides with a theme that we see throughout the New Testament, that you believe and you are baptized. Believe and be baptized. And so I think he talks this way because for him, it's just assumed that those who follow Christ, those who align themselves with Christ, those who are seeking to be obedient to Christ are baptized, right? And we're not going to camp there today, but we do have an opportunity for baptism later this summer. Definitely something for you to think about and pray about, do some research about, ask me questions about it some other time and shoot me an email. But Paul just assumes that if you're following Christ, you got baptized. And so that's just something I wanted to highlight um, as a part of that. But secondly, and, and, and bigger for our purposes this morning, he says, just like with a body, so it is with Christ. And I don't want to assume that that's an obvious correlation, but all through the New Testament, believers, those who are following Jesus, this, this church that was growing and being formed throughout that part of the world, is referred to as the collective body of Christ. They gave a great description on a website that we've suggested before, a great one to check out as kind of a supplement for some of your Bible reading. It's gotquestions.org. Um, and they did a great job of just kind of summarizing this idea of what does it mean that the church is the body of Christ? They say, when Christ entered our world, he took on a physical body that was prepared for him. Through his physical body, Jesus demonstrated the love of God clearly, tangibly, and boldly, especially through his sacrificial death on the cross. After his bodily ascension, after he went back to heaven, after he was raised from the dead, Christ continues his work in the world through those he has redeemed. The church now demonstrates the love of God clearly, tangibly, and boldly. And in this way, the church functions as the body of Christ. And so what he was when he was here on earth, we are to be now in Christ. We are his body. 
And it's a pretty basic illustration that Paul uses. And I think we can wrap our minds around this idea of a body. It's one body, but a body is made up of a bunch of different parts, different roles, different shapes, different sizes, different backgrounds. Your social status doesn't matter. Your race or culture doesn't matter. It's not based on who you were, what your identity was. It's based on who you are now in Christ. Let's continue on to verse 15. And here in this spot, as we get to the next couple sections, he's going to draw kind of a comparison between how we should feel about ourselves and who we are in the body, and then later how we should feel about each other. So this first one is how we should feel about ourselves when it comes to our role within the body of Christ. Verse 15. He says, Now if the foot should say, Because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, Because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body. It wouldn't, for that reason, stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. You see, our tendency here in the human world is to see some roles as a bigger deal than others. We think some people are a bigger deal than others. We think some faith journeys or testimonies are a bigger deal than others. We think that some titles within a church, or a church family are a bigger deal than others. And Paul goes, whoa, whoa that, that's, that's not how this is. And he sticks with the human body illustration. He says, what if we were all an eye? What if we were all an ear? What if we only felt valued, if we only felt important, if we were a hand? It would be completely ridiculous given everything that we know about the human body, right? Because except for the appendix, maybe, every single solitary thing down to the cellular level has a vital role in the health and daily operation of the human body. And no matter who you are, no matter how you're gifted, no matter how you came to Christ, you have a vital role in the health and daily operation of the body of Christ. And we see in verse 18 that who you are is exactly how God wired you to be. Do not underestimate the power of that verse. Every part wired together exactly the way God wanted you to be. That is how we should view ourselves within the body of Christ. Let's jump into verse 21. He says, okay, this is, that's how you should feel about yourself. How about how we look at each other? Verse 21. He says, the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. And so I want to say to you, and, and I don't know the background you came from or what experience you might have in church, but I need you to know that if you are frustrated with the way the world works, where the loud ones get the attention, where the famous ones get the attention, the uber-talented ones get the attention. If you're frustrated with the way the world works, welcome to the church. Because when it's done God's way, those of us that seem weak, those ones are indispensable to his mission. 
Those of us that maybe seem like not that big of a deal, we give them special honor. Those that are hurting or struggling, maybe aren't ready for a visible role, we give them extra care and extra protection. Those who may be wired for a visible role, wired for a more public role within the body of Christ, they don't need extra praise. Special treatment would be the worst thing for them anyways. And so it just happens differently within the body of Christ. God put it together that way. And if it's being done his way, that's how it works. The honor doesn't go to the preacher. It goes to those who have quietly prayed and encouraged that preacher's family and made it possible to be healthy enough to do any preaching. The extra praise doesn't go to the musician with the sweet guitar and the ripped jeans or the voice straight from heaven. It goes to the junior high kid who volunteers to sit at the back and click through lyrics so that we can all worship together with one voice. The extra care doesn't get directed towards the energetic young couple that's about to lead an awesome small group for other young couples. It goes to the ones who almost invisibly care for that young couple's children so they can take some extra time after church to connect with other young couples and draw more people into their tribe. The extra attention doesn't go to the good-looking 20-something who excels seemingly at every aspect of life and easily draws a crowd. The extra attention goes to the side room that no one hardly ever notices where a group of humble servants gather every Saturday morning to pray protection over those young people as they navigate a crazy world, pursue a career, and maybe start a family. You see, God put it together. He calls us Certainly to embrace how we've been wired, to embrace how others have been wired, embrace our role, embrace our calling within the body of Christ, and in the midst of all that, express equal amounts of concern, care, and honor for everyone along the way. Because we know from verse 26 that if one suffers, we all suffer with them. If one is honored, we all share in that honor and celebrate what God is doing. Because for all the different parts, it's one body. And here in the body of Christ, there's something more going on. There's something special going on. There's something eternal going on. And we're all called to be a part of it, but not all in the same way. Different parts that make up one body. So over the next couple weeks, we're going to get super practical with this, right? Next week is kind of a... Uh, know thyself kind of a thing. How, how are you wired? Maybe some personality stuff. On August 6th, we're going to talk about the spiritual gifts. Uh, specifically, when it comes to individuals, we're going to take a spiritual gifts test together. We're going to have some paper versions. We're going to have an app version. We're going to take some time in the service to do that. We're going to have some fun with that and kind of see what our wiring is. Because a lot of this is just exposure, right? We want to make you aware of how some of this works and how we can find our different roles within the body. But just to give you a couple things today, and then we'll get super practical over the next couple weeks. First one is a question I've asked you before. I'm going to ask you to, to address it again this week. The question is, how are you wired? How are you wired? Spend some time studying yourself a little bit this week. Who am I? How has God put me together? What are you passionate about? What stirs your emotions? What kinds of projects do you tend to pursue? What kinds of projects do you tend to run away from, right? I don't do handyman stuff because when I try to fix things, they get more broken than they were when I first address them. And so there's some things like, hey, I'll jump into that. Or like, nope, I'm running the other way. So what kinds of things draw you in? What kinds of things push you away? What kind of people are you drawn to? What kind of people do you avoid like the plague? What activities breathe life into you? What activities suck the life out of you? Maybe start looking into spiritual gifts. Do you know what the spiritual gifts are? Do you know what yours are? Is there any area of your life that's devoted to pursuing 
your spiritual gifts, growing in those gifts, using those gifts. And when you look back on your life, are there any times when you see coincidental changes in yourself where maybe your growth in Christ is lining up with some change or growth that he's producing in you, some changes to your wiring? As I said, next week, we're going to start getting into some of that. August 6th, for sure, diving into some of that as well. But just kind of start evaluating yourself. Like, what, what have I seen or experienced? What types of things have been affirmed in me? What kinds of things have I seen? Like, no, that's not me. That's, you know, uh, some, some really good stuff to, to digest. Another question I want to throw at you when it comes to the corporate side of this. I would say, who can you encourage this week? Who can you encourage this week? Pastor Tony Evans down in Texas said this when talking about spiritual gifts. He said, a body doesn't just have external visible parts. It has many parts and systems that happen internally, unseen within the body. And he says, do not wrongly equate visibility with value. Don't wrongly equate visibility with value. So who needs honor? Who needs care? Who needs to know that they've been noticed? Who needs to know that they're indispensable, whether that's within Fieldstone or out in the community? And note, if I ask this question and you choose me, you're doing it wrong and you've probably been sleeping through this entire talk. Okay, so who out there who is not as visible, who is not seen and yet plays an indispensable role within the body of Christ, who can you encourage this week who maybe fits that description? And then the last question I'd ask is the most important question of all of this. Are you a part of the body? Are you a part of the body? Because here's what you need to understand. Sitting here in this room right now does not make you part of the body of Christ. If your grandparents follow Jesus, that does not make you a part of the body of Christ. If your parents are Christians, it doesn't make you a part of the body of Christ. If the person you're sitting next to, if the person you're married to follows Jesus, that does not make you part of the body of Christ. What makes you a part of the body of Christ is understanding the truth that Jesus is God come in the flesh who became a man to live a perfect sinless life for us and then sacrifice that life on, on the cross to pay for our sins and then rose from the grave to defeat death and give us an opportunity at, at eternal life. If we place our full faith and trust in that truth and in the person and God of Jesus Christ, that makes you a part of the body of Christ. And so when we talk about spiritual gifts and wiring and what God wants to do in you and through you and transform you and transform others because of your influence and your leadership and the way that he wants to use you, all of that begins with that decision to follow Jesus. And for some people, it's, a, it's something you remember doing, right? For me, it was seven years old in the back of my dad's pickup truck on the way to school one day. I don't know why it happened in that moment, but God grabbed me, and I knew in that moment I needed a Savior. I needed my sins forgiven. I can remember that moment. Not everybody has that obvious moment, right, where you're kneeling next to your bed with mom and dad, or you know, whatever it was. For some people, it's a process, and you look back and go, oh, my gosh, I do believe all of that. I am all in on that stuff. Either way is great, but there has to be a place in your life where you go, I believe. I'm in. I believe in Jesus. He's my Savior. He's the only way, truth, and life. That is what makes you part of the body of Christ and what God does. And for some people, you have, you have these miraculous moments where they look back, gave my life to Jesus, never wanted another drink. Gave my life to Jesus, the addiction was gone. Gave my life to Jesus, I never talked like that again. You have those things, but for most people, it's a process, right? He, he changes you on the inside, he gives you a new heart, gives, puts his spirit in you, and then it's grace upon grace. It's, I'm going to bring you closer and closer to me as you interact with his word interact with his people, experience the body of Christ. We grow and we transform, but it starts in your heart by believing in Jesus as your Savior.
If you've never made that decision, you've never made that declaration in your heart, maybe that's today. If you have any questions about it, would love to chat with you. Love to get coffee. I get coffee with a lot of people about a lot of different things. I'll cancel everything on my calendar to have coffee and talk about what it means to follow Jesus. Okay, so let's, let's have a conversation. Don't leave here with questions about what it means to be a part of the body of Christ because it's a beautiful thing. When you've seen it working right, it's an amazing, amazing deal. When it's working right, people are put in a position where God can work through them. It's an amazing thing. Let me pray for you guys and we'll get out of here. God, we love you. We thank you for this truth. We thank you for doing something special in us. First, as individuals, right? God, you, you put your spirit in us and allow us the opportunity to walk intimately with you, to follow you, to trust you, to be led by you, to be guided by you, to be transformed by you. God, we're so thankful for that individual experience. And God, we're also thankful for the corporate experience that we have as being one body, one body here in Fieldstone as one local expression of it, but God, one body around the world spanning generations that have been united in a faith in your son, Jesus Christ. God, may that continue to be a powerful force on this planet, but maybe right here in Milan and the places where we go. Use us. Work in us and through us, and we'll give you all the glory. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Have a great afternoon.